in the house of the Lord? I don't feel the energy. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord? Oh, I want to hear your voice. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord? Not going to lie, this morning when I saw the rain like pouring out, I was like, oh, like, I was literally like, oh man, what a day. Like, I, I mean, usually we associate rain with like, you know, sadness, like, you know, so whenever I see it rain, I'm like, usually like, oh, like, why is it raining? But I'm glad you guys are in um, a spirit of worship this morning. Amen. You don't need a man to be the God you are. You have chosen to call me your. You don't need a man to be the God you are. For you have chosen to call me your own you don't need a man to be the god you are for you have chosen to call me your own for you don't need a man to be the god you You have chosen to call me your own, for you are God. You are God from beginning to the end, and there's no place for argument. You are good over yourself. time like this in your presence. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for all that you do for us, oh God. We thank you, oh God, that we have gathered once again to fellowship in your presence. Father, we pray that your word shall speak to our hearts. May you speak to us, oh God, this morning. May you let us hear your voice and not the voice of man. We pray, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. 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 So, First of all, I want to thank our leader here, our presiding, for this wonderful opportunity. Um, I also want to thank our district leader and all the leaders of PIWC. Amen. Amen. Today, um, we're going to speak on something called, that I want to talk about. It's called reconnecting with the Spirit of God. Amen. 
So the theme, I think, for this month when I received the preaching plan was closer to the Holy Spirit. So I have taken a subtopic called reconnecting with the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. So I want us to look in the book of Genesis. So in the book of Genesis, the first evidence that we see um, for the Spirit of God or for the Holy Spirit is in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 where it says that the earth was void without form and darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Amen? So that was the first evidence of the Spirit of God that we see in the Word of God. The next evidence of the Spirit of God that we see is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where God breathed, literally breathed His Spirit into man. Amen? And it said that man became a living soul. Amen? And the next evidence that we see in, like, talking about the Spirit of God is when Man, when man was first created, because we literally were the very presence of God, God allowed man, Adam, to name all the animals. That was a significant moment because he was trying to say, you are like me. You are literally me. So I'm, if you name something, I will accept that name because you are literally me. Amen? Amen. So Adam was able to name all the animals because he was the very carrier of the presence of God. So there was an intimate relationship with God in that moment. Amen. Now, one day I was having a conversation with someone and it was a very interesting convo. We were like, you know, talking about the word of God. And the person asked me a question that really threw me off. Like it really threw me off in that moment. And the question was that in Genesis chapter 2, when God gave the commandment not to eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil to man, it says that God said that when you eat it, the day you eat it, you will die. That was what God said. And then the serpent comes and tells Eve, oh, Eve, God is lying to you. You're not going to die. The day you eat it, you're not going to die. What's going to happen is you're going to be like God. You're going to now see good and bad. Your eyes will open. So the question the person asked me was that, truthfully, when man ate the fruit, we didn't die. So now who was lying, God or the serpent? That was like literally the question the person asked. said, so was God lying to us when he said we were going to die? And then the person said, okay, maybe, um, you know, sometimes when we do, we, when our parents don't want us to do something, they'll tell us, oh, if you do this, it's really bad. Da, da, da. If you go here, this will happen to you. Like a monster will catch you, something like that, you know. And it's not because they're trying to lie to us, but it's because they want to instill a certain kind of fear in us so that we don't do that thing that they are saying we shouldn't do. So the person said, maybe that was kind of what God was trying to do there. You know, he was trying to, instill fear in us to say that we would die so that we would be scared to even, you know, touch the fruit. And when I heard that question, like I said, it really threw me off because I was like, oh yeah, it's true. We didn't die. So what actually happened here? Now, I believe that when God said that man would die, indeed we did die. Now, the death was not like an instant physical death where, you know, the moment we ate the fruit, bam, we were like dead. It wasn't like that. But it was a different kind of death that we died. 
And why am I saying this? Because before man ate that fruit, we were living with God like friends. We were in a very like close relationship with God where we could see God and interact with him. So we were living in a place where we were in a special kind of realm with God where we could see God, have conversations with God. I mean, as far as we know, God even allowed us to name the animals, you know, because of that kind of connection he had with us. We were literally face to face with God. Now, the moment that we ate this, you know, fruit that we weren't supposed to eat, what happened is that we lost our spiritual foresight. We didn't like die physically, but we lost our spiritual connection that we had with God. We lost that spiritual foresight. We no longer could see in the realms of the spirit. We were blinded. So if if you understand this very well, you'll understand that the death that we died was not a physical death, but a spiritual death. We died. We no longer were spiritual people anymore. Now we were very canal. And so when you look at this, it says that when God was walking through the Garden of Eden after man sinned, in Genesis chapter 3, Verse 9, it says, God called unto Adam, said, where are you? And there's a statement that Adam made that is very interesting. He said, I heard you walking. I heard you coming. So I hid. Notice here that Adam did not say, I saw you coming. You see, the relationship we had with God before, he would have said, I saw you coming. But he said, I heard you coming. So what happened to him seeing God? So when Adam said, I heard you coming, so I hid. Look at how that looks. We were first in a place where we had a relationship with God, where we would talk to him, have conversations with him. He would teach us. He would literally tell us what to do, you know, tell us good. Maybe he was even telling us stories. And now we heard God coming, and it's not like we went to meet him, but we actually ran away from him. We hid ourselves from him. And the understanding that I got from this passage is that whenever we sin as human beings, we actually lose our closeness with the Holy Spirit. We lose that spiritual foresight that we had in the beginning. So every time we sin, our eyes are blinded. So when your eyes are blinded, the next best sense that you have is your sense to hear, your sense to smell. So we hear, oh, we heard you coming, oh God. We hear God coming. We hear you coming. But we don't see him. We don't have an encounter with him. We're not able to get to a place where we can actually relate with God on a personal level. And it is what? Because of sin. So after all this happened and God realized that man had sinned and all that, you know, we know the story. God cursed the serpent. God cursed the woman. God cursed the man, right? And after doing so, one thing that God also did, 
that I realized after reading this passage is that he performed the very first sacrifice in the Bible. The very first sacrifice ever mentioned in the Bible was in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. He created clothing for Adam and Eve out of an animal skin. So before he covered them, an animal had to die. So when we read further in the Old Testament, we'll see that as the Old Testament goes on, we see that every time man sinned in the Old Testament, what happened? We had to kill an animal to atone for what? Our sins. So as we progress in that life, then we come to the ultimate atonement of Jesus Christ dying for the final sacrifice. After the death of Jesus, there was no need for, you know, the shedding of blood of animal. Amen? Now, the death of the animal was to act as what? A covering for us. So when we sin right now, right, what we have to understand is that when we sin and we do bad and then instead of us to, you know, accept our faults and come before God and say, God, I'm really sorry that I did this, you know, help me to do better. Sometimes what we do is that we kind of behave very prideful and we behave like we haven't really done anything wrong. And when we behave this way, it is hard for us to connect with God again. So the right approach here is that when we do sin and we come, like the sin there, we will sin. Like, that's the thing. Like, the sin will happen. Like, I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, when you're a Christian, you, you don't sin. No, the sin is going to happen. Now, the difference is that when we do sin, we are supposed to try to reconnect. We're not supposed to pull away. The mistake that Adam and Eve, they made is that when they sinned, they did not come before God and say, oh God, we were tempted by the serpent. We're very sorry, you know, we sinned. So just forgive us right then and there. We, they waited for God himself to come and ask. And then what, the funny thing too is that when God came, came, they heard him coming. Instead of them to approach him and be like, oh, you know, as you are coming right now, like this was your chance. You know, like this was just your simple chance to be like, oh God, I, you're coming. Oh, please forgive me and throw yourselves at him or something. But rather, they ran away from him. So right now, our message here today that I want us to understand is that, yes, there was a disconnection the moment man sinned in the Garden of Eden. But God does not want that disconnection to remain. He does not want it to be like that. So today, he wants us to come to a place where we are connecting back to the Spirit of God and kind of making up for what we did in the past and getting back to where we can see God, conversate with him, and have a better relationship with him. Amen? So to get back to where we were before, where we had this wonderful relationship with God, where we could interact with God, where we could see him face to face, we need the Holy Spirit, right? And one of the mistakes that I believe that a lot of us often make is that 
The reason we cannot connect properly with the Holy Spirit is not because we're not children of God, but it is more because we do not invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. So usually we go about every day, typical, average Christian. You, you go to church, you read your Bible. When it's church time, you don't read it when you're home. And then when issues come, most people, most believers, when issues come, our go-to is not God. <laughs> Usually, we try to reason with logical thinking. Yes, it's true. If something happens right now, our go-to is not to really invite the Spirit of God. Our go-to is that, oh, how can I solve this problem? How can I fix it? How can I do something better to make maybe this happen because I made a mistake? So that's really our go-to. The moment where we become, you know, frantic, let me put it that way, and then we start asking the Spirit of God, God, like, oh, God, what should I do? What should I do? It's when the thing has gone out of hand. It's when the thing has gotten to a place where now it's like the reasoning that we want to reason, we actually don't have any more options. And that is terrible. <laughs> like, that is actually very bad. And it's an attribute of a lot of us. We don't invite the Holy Spirit in the beginning of the situation, but we invite him afterwards, which is very strange. I mean, if you want the guidance of someone, you don't wait for the thing to go out of hand before you ask for, you know, the guidance of the person. Um, growing up, one of the things my mom used to always, like, complain about me, about that was so funny to me was that she was like, you, like, every time you come to tell me something, you've already done it. Like, you've already went ahead to do it, and it didn't go the way you wanted it to go, and then now you're coming to tell me. Like, what, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, you know, and she used to always say, like, why didn't you tell me before you made the decision to do it? But you're telling me now that your decision went south and, like, you need help to fix it. And that's how we treat God. You know, we don't invite the Holy Spirit in our situations when the situation begins. We wait for the thing to go out of hand, and then we know that, oh, right now I'm out of, of options. Yes, naturally, there's no more options in the natural world. So now let's invite the Spirit, the Spirit of God, to now see if he can turn the situation around. That is so wrong. When we treat the Holy Spirit like that, we are not treating him like a person that he is. The Holy Spirit is a person. And if you want to have a relationship with someone, you have to invite them into your lives. Imagine if I walked around and then I picked a random house and I just walked in and then they were having dinner. I'm like, hey, let me sit down and have dinner with you guys. Imagine, like, I'm pretty sure, like, they'll call the police instantly. They'll be like, some crazy girl is, like, in our house talking about she wants to have dinner with us. Like, what is she doing? You know, because you don't do that. You don't just walk into someone's house randomly and sit down where you haven't been invited. So if we don't invite the Holy Spirit, if we don't ask for him to be in our lives, there's no way he's going to come and sit at our table. This, it's not possible, you know. Um, 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. The communion. So communion, meaning we are having like what? We are having an invite. We are inviting him to our table. We are talking with him. We are, you know, talking to him, exchanging thoughts, intimate thoughts and feelings with him. To commune with the Holy Spirit means that, you know, we have 
a personal, intimate relationship with. If I say I'm communing with someone, I am sharing my intimate thoughts with them. I am sharing my feelings with them. Most of us don't really commune with much people because, you know, one of the things that everybody always says is when you tell people too much about your life, they'll use it against you. And it's true. I mean, there'll be a day, as human as we are, there'll be a day that you'll tell someone too much about your life and maybe something will happen between you guys and the person will go and tell other people. But you don't have that problem with the Holy Spirit. He's a person that we can speak to without feeling like it is going to be used against us. He's a person we can speak to without feeling like he's going to now later turn his back on us. He's a person we can speak to without feeling guilty about it, without feeling, you know, bad about it. One of the things in the book of Genesis, before man's sin, Bible says that Adam and Eve, they were together naked but not ashamed. Naked, but not ashamed. When we have a relationship with God, when we haven't sinned and we have a closeness with the Spirit of God, we are able to be naked and vulnerable without being ashamed. The moment we sin, that is when, you know, the, the idea of being ashamed comes in. Now we are like, oh, I'm naked. Like, you know, like Adam said, oh, I hid from you because I was naked. God didn't even ask him that question. You don't think about it. When you, when you do something wrong, you feel so guilty that what you haven't been asked, you start saying it. Because think about it. God just said, where are you? Literally, like, the question was, Adam, where are you? The question wasn't, why are you naked? He said, oh, when I heard you come in, I was afraid because I was naked. Like, that doesn't even answer the question. He, he actually neglected to answer the question, but it was actually talking about something outside of the question because he was feeling so guilty that he didn't know what to do with it. And, you know, most of the times when we feel really guilty and we feel the guilt of sin, it burdens us. It burdens us to a point where we are, it's even hard for us to embrace that love that God gives us. Because upon all we did when we sinned, God had enough compassion to cover us. He had enough compassion after our sin to cover us. Like he covered our nakedness. He covered our shame. He covered our disgrace. And even this, this was just the first kind of typology of Jesus Christ. You know, when Jesus came, he came to what? Cover our sin, cover our shame, cover our, you know, problems, our sicknesses. And God did that in the beginning. I mean, think about it. He didn't have to do that. If I do something right now against someone, I expect them to be angry. You know, it's, it's typical. Growing up, one thing I never understood is why children, after the same parent that beats them, they will still go back for them to hug them. I was like, I never understood that thing about kids. When I would see kids, like, their parent will beat them right now, and then they'll go back and cry to that same parent who beat them. And I'm like, ah, you were just, like, you were just being. The person that beat you, I just supposed to be running from them. Like, you're going back to that same person for comfort. And I used to not get that. Like, I really did not understand it. But that's a perfect example of what happened here. We were cast out by God. We were, you know, cursed. But yet that same God that cursed us still had compassion. He's like, ah, I've beat you guys enough. You know, come, let me still cover you. Let me still embrace you. Amen? 
So God is saying to us today that no matter where we are in terms of sin, no matter where we are in our relationship with him, he is ready to still embrace us. We are stubborn. Yes, we are very stubborn. We don't listen. We do what we want to do. We don't even want to even, you know, invite the Holy Spirit to direct us. We want to take our own direction. And then when it goes out of hand, that's when we want. But still, God is saying, I know you guys are like that. I know. I know. I created you. I know how you are. I know how you tend to be. But even yet still, if you will still accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior and come to a place where you want to have a relationship with me, I will still embrace you. Amen? So one of the things that we need to do also to reconnect with the Spirit of God is to refrain from sin. The first thing we need to do is invite the Spirit of God. And the second thing we need to do is what? Refrain from sin. As a believer, one of the things that separates us from those in the world is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When you are in the world, you do not have that indwelling. But it is available to everyone because like I stated in the book of Genesis, God breathed his spirit into man. So in him doing so, the spirit of God is available to every single person. Now, the only way you can stir it up and let the spirit of God be activated in your life is when you accept Jesus. Amen? So when we accept Jesus into our lives, that's the first step. The second step is to make a conscious decision to refrain from sin. Amen. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16, it says that walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and you will what? Not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So when we have, when we have come to a place where we want to build our relationship with God, we need to be spirit-minded. So being spirit-minded is what will help us to walk in the spirit and eliminate sin. Amen? Because verse 17 also says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not, you do, not do the things that you wish. Amen? So sin separates us from the spirit of God in the first place. So if we want to... Maintain that relationship, we need to refrain from sin. Because what sin does is it creates an even bigger gap. The gap has already been created by Adam and Eve. Now, when we continuously sin, we're just increasing the gap. We're enlarging the gap. We're making it more and more, more and more. Amen? Verse 25 of Galatians chapter 5, it says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit in our daily lives helps us to refrain from sin. It helps us to have our eyes focused on God. Amen? So, I mean, it's typical. We all come to God and I remember during the youth week when I went to speak at Central, I was saying this thing that... Um, you know, you cannot tell me that you are born again. You cannot tell me that you have accepted God as your personal Savior and you're still doing the same things that you were doing before. It doesn't work that way. If it worked that way, then, I mean, Christian living would be very simple. It would be easy. And one of the things that most of times 
when we go out to preach to people, tell them to, you know, be saved, tell them about Christ, we always tell them, oh, come to Christ, your life is going to be great. Like, come, your life will be better when you see the Lord. And we neglect to tell people that, no, like, truthfully, when you come to Christ, your life is also going to be hard. We neglect to tell people that because I think when we're, in the, when we're lost in the source of evangelizing, we neglect to, you know, let them know the full facts, full disclosure. We don't give them full disclosure. We tell them, oh, come to Christ, your life will be great. So the mentality that everybody comes to Christ with is that when I come to Christ, my life is going to be better. Wherever my life is now, oh my, man, when I come to Christ, it's going to be 10 times better. So that's the mentality that a lot of people come to God in. And that's what happens. And then what happens is that when we face issues, this is why a lot of people leave the church. When we face issues, what happens is that because we were conditioned to believe that our life was going to be better, when we start facing, you know, a series of issues, then it's like, oh, but then you lied to me. You know, and then what happens then is that Instead of people to be retained in the church, people to stay under the feet of God, what happens is that a lot of them leave, right? But the difference is not that we won't have problems when we are in Christ. The difference is that when we have the Holy Spirit in us, it helps us to handle those problems better. It's not that the problems are not going to come, but it's more that because of the filling of the Holy Spirit that we have, we're able to look at problems from a different perspective. So even though something is meant to discourage you, even though something is meant to make you feel lesser of yourself, we're able to encourage ourselves through the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That is why when David was faced with all the problems that he was faced with, they were speaking of stoning him. Bible says that David encouraged him himself in the Lord. So it was through the Spirit of God that he was able to have that encouragement. He was able to say, oh, no matter what is coming my way, I still believe that things will be better. Amen? Now we have to understand that even though when we sin, at the end of all that God did, Bible says that he cast us out of his presence. So that was the first issue. That was where we lost the Spirit of God completely. He cast us out from His presence. So now His presence was no longer close to us. But even though He did that, we have to understand that God's desire is for us to still come back. His desire is not that we will stay far from His presence, but His desire is that we will come back to His presence. Amen? And we know that God has this desire because there was a prophetic word that God released to let us know of this desire of his in the book of Joel chapter 2 verse 28. It says, and it shall come to pass in the last days that I will what? Pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. So God needed to bring back his spirit to us. He wanted us to what? Reconnect with him. And that is why he released that prophetic word to let us know that yes, you lost my spirit. We lost it in the Garden of Eden when we sinned. But I still have a desire as God to bring you back. That's why he said, I will pour my spirit. So it is the Holy Spirit, right, that enables us to do what? To get spiritual gifts, to have the fruits of the Spirit, and all those things. Amen? 
So God wants us to come back to him. And that is why he released that word, that afterward, I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. So the spirit of God is available to what? All flesh, all flesh. Now, if we allow ourselves, we can be carriers of that spirit of God as we are meant to be. And we'll be able to do things for the glory of God. Amen. As our theme says this year, that what? Repositioning the local church for maximum impact, right? So if we want to be impactful, God wants us to reconnect with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 13, that these people were looking at Peter and John, amen? And it said that, it said that now they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. And they marveled, and then what? They realized that they had been with Jesus, Amen. So there was a boldness aspect that they received from being with God. Amen. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit does, one of the things that it, it, it does in us is it gives us boldness. It gives us boldness not for ourselves, but boldness to project the word of God. Boldness to go outside and be impactful. Boldness to go out there and speak to people about Christ. Amen. One of the things that is very hard to do I'm not kidding. It's very difficult to talk to people about Christ, especially when you're in an environment where most of the people have already made up their mind. Because one of the things is that it is easy to talk to someone when they've made themselves available to talk to. But it is more difficult to talk to people when they've already made up their mind and you are kind of there to like give them more reasons to kind of change their mind. You're trying to change it. That is why um, the other day I was telling the youth that it is difficult when you are in a hole, right? It is difficult to pull someone out, but it's easier for the person to pull you down. And that is why we are not supposed to, um, you know, have friends who are unbelievers. Too much of that can actually help you go down rather than bringing you up. But when you are filled with the Spirit of God, there's a boldness that comes with it that is different. Because naturally, I mean, believe it or not, believe it or not, as much as I'm standing up here talking, believe it or not, I actually find it very hard to talk to people. I'm actually one of those people that when there's a conversation that's meant to be had that is serious, I'd rather text it than talk about it. Yes, I'm actually one of those people. So funny enough, my mom always says it. She's like, oh, like, I want to talk to you. I'm like, can't you just text it? Like, and she's like, what is with you and texting? Because I avoid, like, conversations, face-to-face interactions, because it's a little intimidating for me sometimes, especially when it's a topic that I know I'm in the wrong and someone is coming to, like, you know, attack me. I literally try to prevent that from happening. So... It's normal when we are in the world as normal people that we live in this world. It is sometimes hard to have conversations with people. We lack the boldness because we are intimidated. You know, we're afraid. Like, for example, the question that someone presented to me that I was just talking about. Imagine being presented that question and being in a position where um, you also have not cultivated a relationship with God, so you don't even have the answer to that question. And they ask you, so now God and the serpent, who lied? You'll be like, 
frightened a little bit because what it's going to do is that you're now going to be scared and it's going to be hard for you to approach other people. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes to give us what? Boldness. Amen. So when we reconnect with the Holy Spirit, that is when we can take out that intimidation factor. Now we can approach people without being intimidated. We can approach people with boldness. We can talk to them about Christ without feeling shy, afraid, or anything. We can now project the message of God out there better. Amen. Now, even Jesus, when he came on earth, there was um, a moment where he also um, had an encounter with the Spirit of God. Amen? Even though he was Jesus, said that now when in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, it says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also, being baptized and praying, the heaven was open. Luke 3, 22, it says, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came down from heaven, which said, thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. Amen. Now Jesus has come on earth. He came, he knew his mission already, you know, from the, but I mean, think about it. It's actually very nice. I wish when I was born, I knew what I was going to do in the world already. I knew what I came for. I knew my purpose, everything. I wish that was it. So Jesus was in a position where a lot of us are not in, where before he was born, he knew what he was coming to do. So he came into this world. God, Jesus knew, oh, this is what I'm coming to do. I came for this purpose, but the time just has to be right. So I grow, I have to grow and get to a place where when the right time comes, then I'll start, you know, doing what I was sent to do. Amen. Now, the ability of Jesus to manifest fully, where the time, this was the moment where he knew the time had finally come. So as he was growing up, he was just going, going, and he knew that there was a day where, you know, all the things would change, things would transform. But that day actually came in that moment in the book of Luke where he was being baptized. Because Jesus was able to manifest fully and now know his assignment because of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is actually is significant in this moment because this was where Jesus began his real assignment, his real ministry. And this is the first encounter he had with the Holy Spirit. So it means that the first gift that God has for each and every one of us when we come to accept the, the Lord as our personal Savior is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the first gift we all receive. As a, a Christian, as a baby Christian, the moment you accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, the first gift you receive is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the gift of the Holy Spirit is the first gift given to all believers. That is why when Jesus first was baptized, the Spirit of God came. It said the heavens opened and the Spirit of God descended like a dove, right? upon. And then God spoke after the Spirit descended. Amen? And this being true, when Jesus came and he started doing ministry and he, you know, started actually doing the things that he was called to do, in John chapter 14, verse 16, he said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So this is before Jesus went back, right? He said, now I have the Holy Spirit and I am praying that God will also give you all that Holy Spirit as well. That when I am gone, he will comfort you and abide with you. Amen. 
He will comfort you and abide with you. And then that is very important because to abide with means to live with us. So it means that the Holy Spirit is living with us. We are in the dispensation where the Holy Spirit is living with us. Because like I said, in the Old Testament, when you commit a sin, what did you do? You killed an animal to kind of atone for your sin, amen? But in this dispensation, we don't have to do that. Imagine, imagine how much money we would spend right now if every time you sinned, you had to go and find a goat, a cow, like something to kill. Imagine. Now, we would be in an element, look at how things are expensive nowadays. So think about it. A whole goat, a whole cow, you will bring it and you will sacrifice it for your sin. Now, let's be real. In a day, how many sins do we commit? Let's be real. In a day, I'm pretty sure the average person will commit at least 10 or more sins that we are unaware of. Now, imagine if every single sin that you commit, because there's little things we do that we don't realize are sins that are sins. So little things like talking about someone, gossiping about someone, it's a sin. Little things like lying about something, it's a sin. I mean, as we're all sitting here, how many of us have lied to get out of work? Yeah, let's be real. Yes, I'm pretty sure there's been a moment where you really were tired. You're like, oh, today, dear, I'm not really feeling the work vibe. And you call it, you're like, yeah, I'm so sick, you know. And you know you're very fine. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, you know, that's a perfect example of a sin right there. Now, imagine that every time that you called and lied about something and to get out of work, you had to sacrifice an animal. Imagine how our lives would be. Imagine. And now God is saying that we are out of that place where we have to do that because Jesus is available to us. Your only task right now, your only task actually that you are given is to accept Jesus. Think about how nice that is. You're not given any task that is unbearable, any task that is unimaginable, any task that is so difficult to do. He's not saying go and lift 5,000 pounds, like go and do some crazy amount of work. Your task is just to believe and accept Jesus. But yeah, we make that task look like it's something so difficult, something so hard to do. Like, think about it. Someone has already said, okay, I see that all of you, you're polluted. You have bad minds. You are wicked. You are this. You are sinful. And I've seen that this is a problem. I'm not asking you to do anything. Just believe in my son and I will save you. Very, this is such a nice promise. You're not working hard for anything. The hardest thing you're doing is accepting. That's the most difficult task. And as much as we don't see it, the act of accepting something is actually very difficult. People don't realize it. People sometimes don't realize it because we think, oh, acceptance, I just have to accept. I say it with my mouth to accept. It's one thing to say with your mouth, and it's one thing to actually believe it and do it. Because I remember I encountered some old lady um, some years back. I was taking care of, like, this old lady. And her child passed away, like, years ago, like, when the child was little. And amazingly, at the age of, like, 80-something, she had not come to a place of acceptance. And her child died when she was in her 20s. Think about it. 
Why am I saying that? Because she was in a place where it's like everything, every day she was reminded of the child. And she lived her life as though her child was still there. And I, I used to think like, like nothing of it. But later when I went to really think of it, I'm like, this is really serious. She's not been able to accept, you know, that her child was gone. And because of that, her life, it was hard for her to live a regular life, like a normal life. So things that she was doing, it was so hard for her to do because she still had not come to a place of acceptance. So as much as we think acceptance is easy, it's actually a very difficult task. But when we are able to come to that place of acceptance, we have the Holy Spirit available to us. Amen. Now, Jesus, in John 20, verse 22, it says, And when he had said these things, he breathed on them, and he said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. So Jesus was interacting with his disciples. He prayed for them. And after talking to them, he prayed for them. And he what? He breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. So Jesus literally planted the DNA of himself into his disciples. He was saying that the Holy Ghost is what is going to help you do marvelous and wonderful things. Amen. He said, the Holy Spirit is what's going to help you. If I'm not here, I'm not able to direct you. I'm not able to talk to you like the way we have a relationship to do so right now. But when I'm not there, right, the Holy Spirit is available. Amen. Luke 24, 49 said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endowed with power from an eye. Amen. So the promise of the Father today, God wants us to know that the promise of the Father is the Spirit of God. Amen. The promise of the Father is the Spirit of God. And God wants each and every one of us to have that promise in our lives. Amen. God wants each and every one of us to connect with the Holy Spirit on a new level. From today, we have to feed ourselves with things that won't grieve the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. So we need to refrain from things that grieves the Holy Spirit. The things that grieve the Holy Spirit, we have already talked about, is sin. The things that grieves the Holy Spirit is what? unacceptance, not accepting him, not inviting him, not being able to call unto him. Amen. We are supposed to cling on to that promise that Jesus gave us and we are supposed to call on to the Holy Spirit all times. Amen. <laughs> so when we want to maintain our relationship with God, our task today that God wants us to understand is simple. One, we should invite the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. I remember um, Auntie Salome at Domacon. One day um, she was talking to me and she was like, oh, she, even when she loses her keys and she can't find it, she's like, Holy Spirit, show me where it is. Like, and you, I laughed at it like when she first said it because I'm like, ah, your keys. But it's even little things like that, it makes a big difference. It makes a because it makes the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, know that we want Him in our lives. So even something as little as us losing something, we're able to say, Holy Spirit, guide me to find it. It makes the Holy Spirit know that we want to invite Him fully into our lives. Amen. And two, we need to refrain from sin. 
Sin is something that grieves the Holy Spirit. Sin is something that makes it hard for us to connect with God. Just as we lost that connection in the Garden of Eden, if we continue to sin, it just enlarges the gap. So today, all God wants us to know is that just as Jesus came and he was filled with the Holy Spirit doing mighty things and he implanted that onto his disciples and they were able to be bold to do the things of God, he wants us to also receive that boldness to go out there and talk to people about Christ, to go out there and be impactful in our generation. We are not doing enough as a church. We're not doing enough as people of God. We're not doing enough. There's more to be done. There's more to be done. What we are doing now is not enough. And before we can do that more, before we can go out there and be impactful as we want to be, we need to have the connection with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And today, God wants to tell us that that connection has been bridged. That gap has been bridged. And we now have a better access to the Holy Spirit through our belief in Jesus. And if we are able to accept the Holy Spirit into our lives, refrain from sin and invite him, we will be able to do exploits. Amen. 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 Will we please be on our feet? Amen. Amen. This morning, um, I just want us to begin to pray and just tell God that, God, as your word has come forth, I want to be closer to the Holy Spirit. I want to reconnect with you. I want to have a closeness with you. So I want you to help me make the conscious effort to constantly invite you into my life. Sweet Holy Spirit, begin to pray. Father, we give you glory this morning. Father God, we need you in our lives holy spirit we need you in our lives help us in our daily walk with you to invite you into our life help us in our daily walk with you to include you in our 